<laughs> or they could just leave out Archie as, as, as they could leave him out. Everyone else is more interesting and has actually real problems. And he's just like, oh, no, my music career. Remove Archie. Remove all of the moms. Oh, well, but then you wouldn't have any any moms. <laughs> None of the moms are cool. They're all bad. They're all bad moms. Um, comes in and like the uh, kind of toward the end of the season. And uh, she's an OK mom. Well, that's good. Whose mom is she? Uh, three guesses. Oh. Jughead. No. Shit. Welcome to this zero credit supplemental reading of Wonder Woman. My name's John. And my name's Henry. And a supplemental reading is, of course, for our longtime listeners to know who do know. Uh, I got lost there for a second. Uh, supplemental reading is where we talk about something that me and Henry both experienced and we feel is worthy of debate and we speak on it, assuming, of course, that our audience has all seen it, so if you do not want to be spoiled on Wonder Woman, uh, please turn the podcast off and uh, listen to any of the other episodes we have. Right. That sounds great. And I think we can just go on and uh, and get into it and talk about, first of all, setting the scene with some ambiance. How did you see the movie, Henry? Oh, we were really going to do this? Uh, I saw the movie in a theater... With other people, uh, I had to buy a ticket, and uh, I got to eat food during it, as in, I got chicken tenders, and uh, my date had a pizza. So, that's how I saw it. That's uh, that's actually pretty amazing. Uh, I just had popcorn. Though, I did go to a theater in New Orleans where I had hummus. Wait, what? I went oh, to go see can... uh, Snatched, and I got hummus. What? I. That's not what I thought you were going to say. No, I got hummus in New Orleans while I was watching Snatched. That's neither here nor there. I thought you were going to talk about how a mutual friend of ours won some type of contest through Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went to an exclusive, like, premiere private screening, but I feel like it would be gauche to discuss that. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You you guys got unlimited Dr. Pepper during the, the, the runtime of the movie. Oh, and there was free popcorn. And free ticket, and free movie, and free screening. And Wonder Woman came out and shook all of our hands. Actually, I know somebody who went to see the movie in New York, and at the end of the film, uh, Gal Gadot was actually there, and he was in the balcony, so he got to wave at her. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. So this movie, uh, directed by Patty Jenkins. Yes. Who has directed only one movie I have seen. Uh, what movie was that? A uh, monster. I don't know what that is. It is a movie about a, um, I believe, a real life serial killer. It's pretty good. That's interesting because they say, uh, you know, a lot of true crime writers are happen to be women. It's true. So that would be cool to get a woman's perspective of like a serial killer 
Yeah, it was thing. a it was a female serial killer who used to be a prostitute. It's been a long time since I saw it, which is interesting because it seems like uh, Patty Jenkins's biggest, uh, most commercially successful product was Monster, and that was released fourteen years ago. Well, so she's a sleeper uh, director. She's she's being resurrected, or point seven score ago. If you want to be Abraham Lincoln, so score is twenty years, right? I believe. Anyway, so uh, Patty Jenkins uh, directed, starring uh, Gal Gadot. Is it Gadot? Gadot? I think it's Gadot. Gadot? Yeah, Gal Gadot. That can't be right. Well, we'll Google it later. I'll say Gal Gadot, and you say whatever shit you want to say. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Anyway, uh, it's also starring... Chris Prime. Chris Prime! (laughs) I can't... uh, Chris Prime? Pine! God damn it, Chris Pine! Oh, oh, I I was generally confused who you were talking about. Uh, Yeah, no, Chris Pine playing Steve Trevor, Captain Steve Trevor... Yes, and uh, Robin Wright, of course. Robin Wright playing, oh god, what's her name? Uh, Hepatite, no, um, uh, Ant- Anti- Antiope. I- Antiope. And then, uh, I forget who plays her mother. Hold on, I'm remembering. Oh, please remember with the aid of a computer. Uh, Connie N- Nielsen. Connie Nielsen as, as Ippolita. Yeah, Hippolyta. And then you've got some other people. You've got some other people doing characters. Do we care about other people? I think we've got our principal uh, actors for the time being. So I should just tell Ewan Bremer that we don't need him for this? No, you can send him home. Alright, I'm sorry Ewan, Uh, you're gonna have to... Oh, is it Ewan? Okay, Uh, if you say so. Alright, um... He he was in the room with me. Yeah, he seemed pretty disappointed from what I could hear. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't been really uh, making the the tour this for this movie, and he, we were the first to to tap him. He was really really uh, disappointed that we sent him home just now. Yeah, he didn't even shake my hand at the exclusive premiere I went to. Yeah, well, you know how it is. So the uh, assumption, of course, being that all of our listeners have seen the movie already, I don't think we'll waste too much time giving a plot synopsis. Yeah, I mean, if, you've, if you're familiar with Wonder Woman, you're probably familiar with the plot, although they did place it in uh, World War One this time around. Uh, so, you know, the plot's pretty basic. Man, man, woman, child, and they all... Uh, where's, where's the child? What? Henry, did you actually see this movie? (laughs) I did. I did. A child is given to an island who then, she wants to be a warrior. And then, you know, she grows up being trained and then the war happens. The war's here. Man climbs out of plane into water. (laughs) Yeah, man climbs out of plane into water. Classic, classic story. (laughs) You know... (laughs) Woman finds plane, oh. man climbs out of plane into water. <laughs> and then and then they all fight, you know, not Nazis cuz they're not Nazis, but Germans. Yeah. So let's uh let's talk about maybe the movie in in pieces cuz the movie is uh, very very much separated into distinct acts. Oh yeah. Okay, so act 1 is Thermoscara. Yeah, Thermoscara is a very 
I thought it was uh, visually like very sumptuous, very nice, very uh, breathtaking. Yeah, I, I've seen Thermoscura rendered in a couple of different mediums, you know, be it animated or mostly just animated. And uh, a lot of the times it's really just one, gr- you know, vaguely Greek looking building where they apparently store all of their sacred relics. Mm-hmm. And then like the rest of the island is a mystery. But this film does a great job of letting Thermoscura breathe like in the medium and come alive a bit. Yeah, because I, I think that they do such a good job of of rendering this really, um, like, well-realized Grecian island that's almost straight out of Greek mythology. Yeah, it's almost like this island has been untouched by time for the decades or centuries that it's been around. And, I mean, all the... Um... All the architecture is great. All the all the shots on the island are amazing, and the Amazons are really uh, good and talented athletic performers. Yeah, it was very surprising. I I thought, not knowing much about Wonder Woman or her origin story for a second, I thought, damn, these are all like super powerful people who are basically gods. Like how how is Wonder Woman going to stand out from these people because, you know, she she's tiny compared to everyone around her. And something that's pretty interesting to me about the casting for the Amazons is a lot of the Amazons were accomplished female athletes. That's pretty neat. Uh, CrossFit competitors, uh, wrestlers, martial artists. Did they go um, international with it? I do not know. It seemed pretty American from what I saw, but I may be terribly mistaken. Yeah, I, I mean, like def- the accents were definitely a mix. Like we aren't talking; they weren't all straight up Greek. There, there was a, just it. It something about the accent felt more ancient than it did regional. But very impressive for a movie to cast so many really competent women in in one kind of central location just very uh athletically gifted because of course they're amazons they would be and like they weren't just set dressings we actually get to see a lot of them fight off these these bismarckian germans in a way that other movies might have shied away from and something that i think made it register in my head when i was watching this movie is yeah you know if you're trying to cast a whole bunch of really like badass trained amazonian women then you're going to get the like most athletically competent people you can whereas you know if you were filming 300 you wouldn't just cast regular dudes yeah it's sort of the same thing you want to avoid a lot of like uh you you don't want to pay for people to train themselves so it's like you want people who are already sort of athletically inclined so it's like we're going to do a fight scene, and that's basically like this other activity you do. And I feel like in a lot of other superhero movies, uh, it would have been easy to say, we need to cast a bunch of women, uh, get women in here, and when they do cool things, we'll just CG it or whatever. Yeah, no, the fact that it's practical and that these are actually like physically fit women who have a, a fair bit of muscle on them, uh, that's, I think, cooler than if they would have resulted to like doing it in post. And, of course, speaking to a different kind of beauty standard, because, you know, instead of just, I guess, traditionally Hollywood beautiful people, they're putting, you know, people with 
uh, a considerable like uh, athletic background on screen. Yeah, and, and it fits the archetype that the Amazons have, you know, kind of taken both uh, legend, what am I saying, and, and mythical sort of tales as well as like popular culture. You, you can't just have a bunch of beautiful women. That's not the point. Uh, the Amazons were, they were warriors. Like, they're going to be able to fight and they're going to look like they can fight. So it, it's not enough to just have a bunch of like really attractive women or whatever. They got to look like they're going to cut your throat too. Or like they, they're able to, to, to pin you down to cut your throat. And then, of course, the second discreet part of the movie is when Steve Trevor crashes his you know cloth and wood biplane through the barrier of Thermoscira and kind of merges these two worlds together the the idyllic Thermoscira and the hellish world war one backdrop of the real world yeah you know that they set up the conflict of eventually the the amazons of Thermoscira are going to be dragged into the real world and in storytelling fashion, it just happens to happen, you know, within the time frame that we're watching. And I, I think one of my favorite things about the movie was how it keeps uh, tying together these ideas of, you know, Ares is going to throw the world into an everlasting war that's going to kill all of humanity. And then the the Great War, World War One, which, of course, at the time that it was going on, seemed like the end of the world and a war that could never stop. Yeah, I mean, they called it the war to end all wars because they didn't know what was coming, and it certainly felt like that to them at the time. And it's so smart to set a superhero movie during World War One of all things. Because if there's any time period that could really use a superhero, it's World War One, <laughs> And it's a, it's a backdrop that, of course, you never see uh, superhero movies or anything like that set during, so you end up with all these really uh interesting like dated but dynamic set pieces throughout the movie throughout the the middle chapter yeah it's something about world war one and wonder woman in this movie just seemed to mesh just so well together in a way that's like if they had picked iran or or baghdad or, or like desert storm or shield or one of those conflicts it just wouldn't have translated as well i don't think and I want to stop you right there. Uh, World War Wonder Woman. And we can continue. Uh, it could uh, it could potentially come off as kind of tone deaf, like in the first Iron Man movie where he's captured by terrorists. Not terrorists. Uh, extremists. Yeah, but, I mean, Iron Man, when he was first introduced, it was either the Vietnam War or the Korean War. So they had to update it a little bit. And you never want to bring in that uh, that Marvel hatred for the Asians into any major motion picture. Marvel has a weird history with Asians, but that's neither here nor there. And, uh, well, DC, for what it's worth, also has kind of a strange history with minorities. But that's not important. Yeah, what is important is that Wonder Woman enters this world that she's only heard of. The world of man, as in human. And we get a lot of her exploring, like, certain things. You've got the scene from the 2011 uh, Wonder Woman comic where she tries ice cream for the first time. Which I've now seen in two different medium. And it's just like, okay, maybe we can let that scene rest a little bit. I mean, ice cream is pretty phenomenal. 
ice cream is good and all, but it's it, it it's I don't know. It's there's something about that scene. Where it's like, yeah, you want to go to the 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 front. You want to go to war. But hey, there's this conveniently placed ice cream shop right by the train. And maybe that's one thing that irked me a little bit about the movie. Yeah. I, I think that's fairly well-trod ground to have a fish-out-of-water story, and I didn't feel like her fish-out-of-water story did much that was interesting. Exactly. There, that, that If I have a complaint about this movie, it, it's the fish-out-of-water syndrome that we get, we get it twice in the movie. Once with S- Steve Trevor... Yeah, Steve Trevor. Once with Steve Trevor on Thermoscara, and then for the rest of the movie with Diana and the in the real world. Yeah, because when Steve is experiencing uh, fish out of water when he's in Thermoscara, the feeling is this kind of almost uh, masculine power trip kind of thing that turns into like a like a comedy. But then when Diana, I almost said Diane. When Diana is experiencing that same fish out of water story in the real world, there, of course, the things where it's like, what an iron carriage, which it's never that explicit. But yeah. The, the reactions to things are, they're just a little forced. Yeah. And, and like, in a lot of the, in a lot of ways, the first fish out of water story with uh, Steve Trevor is a subversion of the, the normal, you know, of, for that time period where, you know, it's men explaining things to women and, and women have authority over everything. Uh, wait, sorry. It's men exploring. Yeah. It's a, oh my God. Women have authority and that's something he's not used to. So it, it's a subversion of the norm. But then just for the rest of the movie, it's back to the norm where it's Steve Trevor explaining things to Wonder Woman, not as though she doesn't know, but because she doesn't know. So it, it, it I feel like it's not, it, it undoes the first subversion of the movie. And like I said, it, it's, it feels very forced sometimes in the dialogue when, you know, she will see a course and say, oh, is this your arm? It's like, we get it. She comes from a warrior race of women and does not understand uh, this world. But I guess the one thing about the time period that makes something forgivable is it makes the leering qualities of men seem less played for comedy and more factual, I suppose. Yeah. Because, you know, in a, in a world, uh, in a World War One, if you will, in a, what is it, 1914 maybe? Yeah, around there. Uh, having men have such like strong visceral reactions to seeing women do certain things is a little bit more believable than if you did that today, in which case it would just be screwball. Exactly. And maybe an, another part, maybe a part of that explanation and wonder of the fish out of water thing that we're talking about is that even though she doesn't understand the cultures and the customs, we're talking about a woman who, a woman? <laughs> we're talking about a woman who is like literally a god so it's like these explanations that steve trevor gives her she doesn't really need them because she's invincible and like super strong so like if society is going one way and she doesn't care for it she it's in her power to technically bend the will of society society to her way Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the point it's like even though with all these explanations it doesn't change who she is and I think that uh, she never really, uh, yeah, she never really like succumbs to the ideas of society. She just exists in it, 
And despite having things uh, interact with her and explain to her, she generally kind of keeps a, the same even keel. And that continues until there's that scene where I, uh, I think that the Germans had taken over a village and they're trying to rush her to the front, but instead of adapting her morals to fit the situation, she keeps the morals she's had throughout the film and intervenes at the town. Exactly, yeah. You know, um, there's some, there's a pretty good line in there where Steve uh, Trevor says, that's not what we're here to do, or... It's set up like that. that's no man's land, and that means no man can cross it. And I almost felt like we're going to go into the line where she's going to say, well, I'm no man. But instead, I think she says a better line, with which is like, that's not what we came here for. But she says, no, but that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, when, when he said that's a line, he even emphasizes the word man as if to set her up for that. Exactly. And... I was sitting there like, she's going to say it. She's going to say it, and I'm going to hate this movie. But I, I think because the movie, like, it presents that and then resists it, and then I think that makes that the line that she says, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do, all the more powerful. And I think that's something the movie does throughout, where it sets up your expectations for how a scene should play out with this dynamic, either in a movie that's you know, pretty straight-laced and somewhat regressive, uh, which if she were to say, but I'm no man, then that's that's not impactful and that's not terribly progressive. It's just showy. Yeah, it's too on the nose. It, it's wordplay because it's like anyone who knows the context of the situation knows that the no man and no man's land is not literal. And I... Like I said, I think that the movie like keeps giving you these things and defying your expectations about what the dynamic should be, and that carries through to the third kind of act of the movie, which is the, the war. Uh, yeah, the the war, the front, the uh, the the German headquarter thing with the plane. Okay, yeah, the, the that that weapons lab. Yeah, and, and the third act is really where the movie kind of. Something that I really enjoy about this movie is that it is very, um, it plays its cards very close to its chest when it comes to action. I, I, I elaborate on that. Because, I'll, for example, when uh, Diana gets struck in the bracers and does that huge energy wave thing on Thermoscira. Yeah. Your assumption is, given that piece of information, knowing that she's capable of that, it would be used at some point during the movie. And it is, at the end. Yes, yes. But throughout the movie, it never shows you that again until the very end. Yeah. I, and, I, you know, it. I think the movie could have gone in a number of ways. Like, she felt bad about the first time, the first time we see her use it. So, like, the movie could have been like, oh, she's guilty. She feels guilty about using that power because she hurt somebody with it. But it doesn't do that. It just doesn't... She doesn't have a need for that power again until the very end. And you go through almost half the movie without Diana doing hardly any huge, like, set-piece, tentpole action scenes by herself. Yeah. And then about halfway through, it slowly ramps up and ramps up until it gets to... The, the final act of the movie where kind of all bets are off and it turns into this 
uh, high octane, really like well directed uh, piece of action cinema. It, it becomes like the action you would see in a comic book. It becomes a comic book fight. Yeah, and that's that man. That final fight is real dumb. Well, it's real dumb, but I, I think it has a purpose, and that. That was her fight, you know? Everything else going on around her, that's not her fight. And so that's why she's so kind of just walking through it. She's just moving through it to get to her part. And I uh, I do want to talk about that and touch on that later. But I, I just think the final fight is dumb because of how completely overblown it is. Now, that's not me saying it's bad. Yeah, uh, you know, of course, it's it's over the top because it's like you know we've got these superpowers, so we got to do something crazy with them. But also, could we could we? Ares looked good in a suit. Did it really have to become a clownish suit of armor? Yeah, they absolutely should have kept him in a suit. That would have been way cooler and scarier. <laughs> exactly. I was I was kind of telling this to my girlfriend after we saw it, but it's like. I think we forgot how intimidating just a man in a suit can be sometimes. We gotta make him kind of like ogreish and over cartoony to, to get that intimidation factor in. But it's like, I just start laughing because he looks like a knockoff Sauron. And maybe something that the, that this movie did that made me feel best of all is that it's a movie that is progressive and dumb. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's the right step we need to take. Because if it's progressive and smart, it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. Yeah, you don't have to burn all your calories trying to make the smartest entertainment you can. And you can still be progressive. You can still make a Fast and the Furious or a Marvel movie or a DC action movie or anything. And you can still be progressive. It's not inherent to the amount of time you spend trying to make it intelligent. It's inherent to making intelligent choices with your casting and with your writing that don't necessarily mean that you have to talk about waiting for Godot every five minutes. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's still a superhero movie, you know? It's still of a certain ilk, and so that means we don't need it to be the smartest movie ever. We just need it to be good. And uh, I would like to talk for a minute, if you have time, uh, of course, uh, about what some of our uh, highlights and disappointments are with the movie as a whole. Okay. Like, kind of, we've been talking in broad strokes. I'd like to do kind of a deep dive on things that we really liked and really thought could have been done better. All right. I I, I think that's going to take more than a minute, but I agree to this change of course. A uh, definite uh, thing that I really liked was... Was just the the dedication to the World War One setting because it was actually yeah no I'll keep that it was the dedication to the World War One setting uh, great set dressing uh, great uh, backdrops great set pieces throughout it's something that you don't see a lot of and kind of limiting humanity and technology to that level in a superhero movie makes a lot of really great dynamics yeah no I, the attention to detail and making this World War One setting come to life was great like. London is a smoggy, dirty place, and the only clean people are the people who work in offices. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the the field, and like it's like immediately everyone's face is smudged. Like there's not a clean face in the bunch. The trench depiction was really well done. 
they really committed to make making this world come alive. And even if I had some issues with the uh, writing and ultimate motivation of some of the key villains, I thought that using uh, gas as the primary kind of tool of the antagonist for most of the movie was great because that was what World War One was about. It was an awful war fought with uncontrolled weapons that grew faster technologically than we could advance ethically. Yeah, I mean, World War One is where uh, the result is like the Geneva Accords where we come together to agree about the right way to, to uh, carry out warfare and gas is definitely not on that list. And uh, disappointment for me, uh, tying into the World War One thing. Yeah. How come nobody spoke German in this movie? That is a wonderful question. Um, th- there was, there were a few moments where, because uh, they even like set up the fact that Wonder Woman Diana speaks a lot of different languages. Mm-hmm. And we were in Germany, and even the scenes where. Like, there were just German people there, It's they still were speaking English at some points. But I felt like there were some subtitles, so there must have been some German spoken somewhere. I feel like there never was, but uh, I'll give it a watch again just to make sure. But, like, for instance, when uh, Steve Trevor was talking to Dr. Poison Lady... That should have been in German. He was affecting a German accent to a German person at a German party, and they Why were both they... speaking English. Yeah. But remember the scene with all the German leaders around the table? I'm pretty sure that was... There was subtitles for that, wasn't there? I don't know. I'll have to check, but I don't think... I don't think so. I feel like it was, irk- oh. I feel like it was irking me enough throughout the movie that, uh, that I would have noticed. But I mean, suspension of disbelief. But why were all the Amazonians speaking? I don't know. Uh, maybe they couldn't find people who could speak German, you know? It's a common nitpick that I have with movies. Yeah, it would have added just another layer of believability to... I mean, we're already going out, all out on the set dressing. So it's like, why not take that extra step for German? But maybe they just didn't feel like it, yo. And what did you like, Henry? Uh, What I liked was just... I don't know, man. The, 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 (laughs) The aesthetic of Wonder Woman and her fighting scenes was really well done. Uh... We didn't have any moments where it didn't feel like there's there's this instinct or this there's this this weird sort of tendency in action movies to focus in on the action being done and it makes the action just feel slow and like uh, trudging along rather than fluid and the action in this movie to me for the most part felt very fluid very mm. just like like it's not about what's being done literally but the effects of what's happening. What I really liked in the fight scenes was generally they had this kind of balletic dance-like quality to them, but everything that was happening was happening with so much impact and force. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't about any singular punch or anything. It was just like... Like, in in the scene where she's walking across the no man's land, it's like, we see her deflecting bullets, sure, but it's like, it's not about her deflecting the bullets. It's about... What the characters themselves realize is like, oh, she's taking all the fire. Mm-hmm. We're going to move up now. Like, it, it, the fact that she's, you know, taking all the fire, it's giving its emphasis. But it's like, because she does that, something else happens. Mm-hmm. It's not about the fu- the immediate fight, but what that immediate fight does next. And uh, I, I like 
I really loved how all the characters slowly came to terms with her abilities as a super-powered person. Yeah, I, well, it's war, so it's like, we're not going to question this. It's giving us an advantage, so we're going to go with it. But it, it was met with a certain amount of skepticism, and slowly they became introduced to it over time to the point where, you know, you have that scene where they grab the piece of... um the the tank's armor and like let her jump up into that <laughs> church tower. Yeah, that, and that was that was a good moment because of course uh, Steve Trevor saw that on the island, and it's like we didn't need a flashback, we didn't need any prompting. He's like, he set that up, and then only when it's happening do we realize, oh, he's reenacting this the thing he saw on the island. It was very smart, very smart action. Yeah, I, I think. Just to add on to another thing I liked about this movie is, like, nothing was too spelled out. The movie didn't assume we were idiots. Yeah, it didn't have the uh, usual, like, exposition bath that a lot of DC movies have. It, just to compare this to Batman versus Superman for a tiny second, where in the opening credits of that movie, we see the reenactment of, the you know, the night Batman was born with the murdering of the parents, including the snapped pearl necklace... And then three-fourths of the way into the movie, that whole scene plays again in slow motion. Yep. It's like, that, that's, that's the director doubting the intelligence of the, the audience to follow along the plot well enough to not be reminded with the same scene. Mm-hmm. This movie, there are no flashbacks. You don't need them in a movie like this. You don't, you don't really need, like, you can set things up and reference them later and then just trust your audience to pick up on that. Yeah, and I mean, the movie, like I said, it's somewhat dumb, so it's smart to assume your audience can keep up. Yeah. Now, as for something I didn't like, John... Oh? There's a moment when Dr. Poison and gray-haired General Jones, I don't remember his name... Ludendorff? Ludendorff. Uh, they're confronting the high command of the German, the German forces. And, it, you know, it's quite obvious the only reason Ludendorff is there is to poison them all off. And so it's, he can continue to do whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene concludes with him dropping a gas grenade and a gas mask, uh, into the room. And then Dr. Poison goes, but the gas mask won't help. And then Ludendorff says... But they don't know that. And then they giggle like schoolgirls. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the worst moment in this film. They, uh... Those two characters are the characters that I had the most problems with because they have the most writing issues. Like, I don't know about Dr. Poison because, like, she didn't... I don't know. I feel like, she, for whatever reason, her character was fine. But Ludendorff, on the whole, was just like, what are you? You're not a person. Uh, I mean, his, seemingly his motivation was do evil stuff for no reason. But I mean, even even Doctor Poison was uh, kind of a terribly realized character because when she created the little blue pills that you would snap and Ludendorff would get all like ghost faced. Oh, you mean Viagra? Yeah, face Viagra. Yeah, she was like, oh, it it came to me something for your strength. It's like what? Yeah, I, I think that was a little bit of the, you know, setting the traps for the red herring. Yeah, because the, there was a pretty uh, huge bait-and-switch that happened. Yeah, the, the audience is led to believe that uh, 
Ludendorff as Ares, and I, I was pretty pretty on board with that theory until Diana, out of nowhere, said it. And then I was like, wait, that can't be it. The end. <laughs> oh man, how amazing would that reveal have been if there was no Ares? I honestly thought that's the way the movie was going to go, because like she kills Ludendorff, and I even said in the theater under my breath, like, that was it. But then, like, the movie keeps going, and there's that great sort of ideological debate between Wonder Woman and Steve uh, Trevor. And I was like, wait, is this the final battle? Like, the clash of ideals? Because I could get behind that. That could be pretty interesting. Yeah, if the final battle of the movie was her coming to terms with the idea of sometimes people are just bad. Sometimes people just do things and hurt other people, and there's nothing you can do to understand it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of... I thought that would have been a cool way to end the movie or like a cool resolution to that action. And then they can move on. But the fact that there was an Ares, that was kind of cool too. I, I I could go either way on that. And I mean, the, the Ares we got probably the best Ares we could have had. Yeah. I, I liked that. He was that British guy from Harry Potter. Um, oh yeah, man. Mr. Whatever his name is. Lupin. He was Lupin. He was Lupin. No, I, I really liked uh, the the character of Ares. Uh, I liked that... I mean, okay. I liked the character of Ares up until the point where he literally turned into a flaming demon god of war. Yeah. It, it, it's, it also doesn't... Look, what really doesn't make sense about the suit of armor is that the, the Greeks didn't have suits of armor. True. They, just, they straight up didn't have that, that technology. So I get that maybe he adapted it, but then it's like, well, why wouldn't he adapt more modern stuff then? And, I mean, he's he's a god. Why does he need to make a suit of armor out of plane parts? I, I think making swords out of plane parts is kind of cool. And I, I think that should be, like, part of his power. But general telekinesis? Where does that fit into war? Unless he only can control items of war. That's why... Like, he can control the tank, but if it was, like, a cup of water, he couldn't do anything to it. And I really, I thought there was, I mean, coming off of the potential ending of this clash of ideologies, and then having the reveal of Ares being this secret, whispering guy who's just trying to make humankind kill itself. Yeah. There's a line he says, I believe, something to the effect of, I'm not the god of war, I'm the god of truth, or something like that. He says that because, yeah, he wants Diana to see the truth that humans are corrupted already and he didn't really corrupt them. I think that would have actually been a cool conceit for that character if he wasn't a big flaming god of war. He was a super powerful god who genuinely despised humanity for pretty justifiable reasons. Yeah, like I said, I can kind of go either way because with the humans, it's like he doesn't need to be that presence because they're literally beneath him, and he wants to see them take themselves apart for poetic justice. Mm -hmm. uh, but against Diana, that's not going to work. So it's like he needs to put forth that god persona, because now he's going to have to fight someone who's not beneath him, but is his equal. True. I just liked him when he used electricity and telekinesis, and not when he used crazy swords. Yeah. And, like, the electricity and the telekinesis, I'm just thinking... He's a god of war. Why does he have those powers? He should be, should be able to make swords, and that's about it. And then, like, he started to make swords, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. But then he lifted a tank, and I was gone again. 
And then uh, Steve Trevor dies, and uh, Wonder Woman goes Super Saiyan, and that's it. Yeah, that part. Look, it was. I, I thought the movie was doing something cool where we weren't gonna hear that whole conversation, and that's cool. Like you know, when, when that she, she Wonder Woman has tinnitus because her her hearing's not invulnerable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought it was cool. It's like, oh, they're showing us a conversation. And it, it, in classic movie style, we're never going to know what he said. But we get the general idea because, like, he left the watch. We get that he's about to sacrifice his life. And if that's the gist of the conversation, that's cool. And then, of course, they went ahead and and, and she miraculously remembered what he said. Even though she literally couldn't if she couldn't hear him. But then he said something pretty cool. He said, I can save the day... You can save the world. Ooh, yeah, I forgot about that. So, like, a, a few people were like, some articles were written that Wonder Woman wasn't the the hero of her own movie because of Steve Trevor's heroic sacrifice. Remember when I said I was going to come back to that? That's what I was going to talk about. Well, here's the thing. He, him saving the day? That's Think of that as like a minute of her time. She's going to go on and keep living... And like in living, and she's gonna do more good. That's gonna completely outweigh the sacrifice that he makes eventually. I mean, I thoroughly disagree wholeheartedly that Steve Trevor was the hero of this movie. He's not. He's not like at all. He's he's a sidekick. He's a very good, competent sidekick. But he's a sidekick. He's like he's the the tragic death that needs to trigger the the. The all of the lessons, if you want to call them lessons, all of the things that that Diana has observed over the course of these few days, all cemented into the fact that wait, there's there's good humans. We mm-hmm. don't need to wipe them out. And I mean, you you can't say this movie is a Steve Trevor movie, considering that all the time, pretty much the entire movie, the camera is on Diana. Diana's doing her own thing. She is doing uh, most of the impactful things on screen at any given time and Steve Trevor exists to assist in those actions keep the mo- keep the story moving forward in the movie and then die yeah i i mean if there if there could be a counter in this movie it would it would track the number of times that 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 ooh it would track the number of times that Diana saved Steve Trevor's life look top gun isn't a movie about maverick it's a movie about goose yeah and Lord of the Rings isn't about Frodo; it's about Sam. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> actually, that's that's probably a that's probably closer. Uh, a that, better, that one's a actually, better comparison. That one's actually true, though. Well, it, no, I mean Lord of the Rings is about Frodo. Frodo does end up ultimately saving the day, but Sam is a great, great sidekick. Yeah, that's actually I don't like that comparison because Sam's the true protagonist of Lord of the Rings. I mean, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> But I feel like Steve Trevor is a footnote in Wonder Woman's story. Wonder Woman's story just keeps going on past this one movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I totally disagree with that. And fight me if you disagree with my disagreement. I mean, like, okay, I'm not going to fight you. But, like, I think her defeating Ares does a lot more good for the entire planet. And what Steve Trevor did was good for the immediate 500 square miles around that plane yeah i mean you know it's it's not even a conversation because there's 
you know, a, a god from a Grecian island who defeats another god, and there's a guy who blows up a plane. Yeah, and he could have jumped. I mean... He could have. He could have, like, thrown a grenade back there. He probably had a parachute. Did the, They didn't really have autopilot back then, did they? Yeah, but, I mean, he could have jumped out. It would have stayed in the air. It would have been fine. Yeah, it, I mean, it would it would have started falling a bit, but, like, if he could have timed it so that he jumped at the apex of the climb, then it's going to fall a little bit. But then does he get caught in the explosion? This is tricky. Yeah, he probably gets gassed to death while he's in a parachute. Yeah. Well, I was happy that he died and that he stayed dead. Yeah, that's maybe the most important thing. Because there's too much lately, just in the past 20 years, of people doing heroic sacrifices and then it turns out they're alive. Yeah, you don't want him to pull a war machine. You don't want him to pull a, a Dark Knight Returns, Rises. Rises and Returns. No, it's good he died. I liked his character and I'm glad that he's dead because it meant a lot. Yeah, he was a good man. And he was a good man because he died. Now, I mean, do I think Wonder Woman was a great movie? I don't know. Uh, I think... I think it was a good approaching decent... No, not decent. Decent's below good. I think it was good approaching great. No, I, I definitely think it falls within that range. And I think that if you were to modify it uh, with some kind of bonus multiplier for being a DC movie, which are traditionally awful, then oh yes, it is great. Yeah, no, this is the best art, you know, indisputably the best DC movie to come out. Well, I mean, there were those Batman mo- Batman movies. Uh, you're talking about the Chris Nolan ones? Yeah, no, this is the best, like, DC Cinematic Universe movie to come out, period. Yeah, th- that's what I mean. I'm not... I, Chris Nolan, like, all previous Batman films, all previous... Any superhero films don't count. We're, we're just talking about Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Wonder Woman. Ugh. Of those three, this is definitely, like, takes the cake. Oh, takes don't the forget crown. Suicide Squad. Oh my god, how, uh, of those four, Wonder Woman still, you know, it's not even, it's not even a question. It's a, it's a beautiful rose that's grown out of a pile of stinkers. Oh my gosh, it's like, you know, when all the Marvel movies were coming out, I was like, man, this would make a good movie marathon, because you can see how it all connects. And then when I saw all these DC movies, I was like, man... I no, I don't want to do that movie marathon. This would be a great movie marathon to have on in another room while you're doing something in the other room, and also the sound is off. Exactly, exactly. But I, I do definitely feel like it's a good movie, and it's almost a great movie. But I also feel, and I, I there's no one on this podcast who could back me up on this, but I feel like to some people, it's a great movie. And for those people, I I cannot understand it, uh, because those people are ladies. Yeah, I, definitely. This movie means a whole lot more to a different demographic than it does to, than it can mean to us, just because of uh, our perspectives that we have. And when that movie ended, when the credits started rolling, I, I was sitting in my seat in the movie theater, and it was it was pretty packed because it was a contest thing. They were trying to fill seats. Oh, I thought it was like a private screening. It was a private screening to like fifty five people. Oh, that's still good. Okay, but I was uh, I was sitting there, and I was like, "That was a pretty good movie." You know, it had problems, and just when I was thinking about how many problems it had, the the beginning guitar riff started. Yeah, and I swear that every woman in the audience cheered. 
and a couple yeah. a couple guys, but it was almost all women. I, I feel like this is a victory. So it's it's like we can discuss whether or not it was a good movie or not. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It was successful. Yeah, it, regardless of whether or not it was a good movie, which I think we both do agree that it was. Uh, yeah, I I think that it was important to some people in a way that I can't understand. And I'm willing to say that that probably, separate from being the best DC movie ever, would also push it into great territory. Yeah, I think that is a fair analysis. It is objectively good, culturally great. And it's a movie that I want to support so that, like, it's not... It's not a statistic. It's not the woman superhero movie to come out in this decade. You know, I, I we should support it so that there's more. Yeah, we want to support Wonder Woman so Wonder Woman becomes the norm. Yeah. And not just Wonder Woman, but like another, you know, not specifically Wonder Woman, I mean, but like other female movies, superhero movies, crime movies, whatever, what have you. Yeah, we we more leading ladies, more... Ladies who aren't leading being more positively and progressively portrayed. Yeah, let's see, uh, let the, let's give that, uh, all female, uh, Ocean's Eleven a chance. And I guess we'll just have to see if Wonder Woman's still a good character when Justice League comes out. Uh, I, you know, they actually played a trailer for that before the movie, and surprisingly, it kinda made me want to see it. Yeah, every time I, uh, they had a pre-release trailer that was the first four bars of the white stripes icky thump okay looked real real bad but this this new trailer i haven't seen it 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 looked okay oh who's directing justice league uh zach schneider is directing it but he has backed out of the uh some some reshoots and some final scenes uh to deal with a tragic family event Oh no, I was going to make a mean joke about him, but I will resist. Yeah, this this all came out recently, but they're they're going through some tough times. And so uh, Joss Whedon is taking over the project just for the reshoots and some some final uh, additional scenes. That's very strange. Uh, It's it's not if you know the circumstances, but I don't know if... I mean, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if it's... Is it our place to share his pain? I, I think I'll do that in my own spare time. Yeah. Uh, I'd normally... Yeah, no, I, I'm the first one to take pot shots at Zack Schneider, but I just feel like, knowing what I know now, I'm just going to kind of give him a break for a couple of years. Yeah, Zack Snyder, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put you on notice later. <laughs> Zack Snyder, gotcha. take care of your business first. Yeah, heal. Keep in mind, when you come back, gloves are off. And stop it with that slow motion. Okay, anyway. Just just cut it out. Just just cut back like 10, 20%. Okay, it's fine. All right, so I feel like it's time to render, you know, the Zero Credits final verdict. Oh, which, on uh, Wonder Woman? On Wonder Woman, yeah. Uh, the movie that we just talked about for 50 minutes? Yeah, I feel like it's our, it's time to give our final, our, you know... Every supplemental reading, for some reason, has this weird rating system at the end that doesn't actually <laughs> it doesn't actually mean anything. I mean, it's not like everyone listening, oh, they've all seen it. 
They've all seen it, so it's like, why do we rate it on this scale of rent it, own it, gotta have it? All right, so Henry, rent it, buy it, or gotta have it? Uh, this is this is a rent it for me. I, I, you know, not to say that's that's I just don't need to own every movie. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, you know, minimalism's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I actually haven't bought a movie in over. I want to say over a decade. I mean, if we were uh, basing this on our actual movie buying uh, preferences, all of my votes for every movie ever would be do nothing until it streams and then watch half of it. Exactly. You know, maybe we can expand our scale to include that because that, that's a real mark of uh, of quality. And by quality, I mean not quality. Henry, I, think, I think we need to rework the entire system. I mean, definitely, but I want to just do the minimum amount of work. Okay. But it's, okay, Wonder Woman is definitely a a rent it, meaning, like, if I were to see it again, I would rent it, and uh, I would pro- I would definitely rent it again. I would definitely want to see it again. I would call it, uh, objectively, a rent it. I don't know if I'll buy this movie. Culturally, gotta have it. Culturally, gotta have it, gotta support it, we need more of it. I mean... Just just face facts with the percentages and the statistics. Come on. Man, wouldn't it make it so much easier if our skill was like it, love it, or get some more of it? But then what happens when we supplemental read something that we don't like? Oh, that's dislike it. Dislove Dis- it. Gotta get less of it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk well, about the scale later. We'll iron that out, but I, I, final thoughts. Final thoughts is you should definitely see this movie. Uh, it it has issues for sure, but it's it's gonna be blowing up in the zeitgeist real big, and you need to support it for everything that it does. Yeah, I agree with that, and I feel like yeah, let's uh, let's embrace this, embrace it, move forward, do it, yo. And at the end of the day, yeah. We, hold on, at, okay, at the end of the day, okay, follow me on this one, at the end of the day, we, you and I, hosts of Zero Credits, yeah, we can save the day by telling you to watch Wonder Woman, but you, listeners, not us, can save the world by giving your money to Wonder Woman and voting with your wallets and telling people that you want better representation across the board. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That, that that's a good way to put it because it's like we can tell you to go see it, but uh, if you want to see more of it, you got to show those stupid Hollywood executives that people are willing to go see movies like this. And the only way you do that is with your stupid American money. You have to take your money and you have to pull it out of the air into a bolt of lightning and then send it through the chest of some suited executive. Honestly, <laughs> I want to do that. Let's let's get some lightning money. Let's get lightning money. Let's get lightning rich. Uh, I am fully intending to get lightning rich in my 40s. Oh, yeah. Wait till I hit 55. No, what is it? 60 and a half? Yeah, wait till I hit 60 and a half. Then I'll be lightning rich. Yeah, and then five years later, lightning retirement. Well, that's what I was talking about. I was talking about cashing in my, uh, my IRA. Oh, I see. I think it's 60 and a half. Is the, the, it's been a while since I looked that up. I've been paying anyway. into lightning retirement my whole life. 
Well, then you can retire earlier than most people. What if I die to lightning? Irony? Yeah, that would be pretty ironic. Go see a movie. Go see a movie. Do we do plugs? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you do want you, me to do... Th- do you, have you a, want me to do... Th- oh, like social media. Yeah. What, what did you think I meant? Like gauges? I, no. Okay. So social media. You can tweet us, tweeter us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for, of course... Wonder Woman is a good movie and you need to go see it. That's pretty good. And you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. And I am opening this up to a new breed of email. Wait, there's a new breed of email? Ask us for life advice. What does that mean? And people will send us emails asking us for life advice and we'll life advise them. Oh, yeah. that I, I'm okay with that. Let us help you. Let us help you. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Zero Credits Podcast in the search bar, and it's in there somewhere. Yep, we're the top result. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero credits. More content's coming every time we stream. Every single time, and I think that's the end of our social media. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And uh, you guys should check out the Black Monday Murders. It's a pretty good comic. I don't know what that is, but if John endorses it, it's worth looking at once. It is a dark magic occult comic book about a financial crisis. So it's like the big short, but with dark magic? Yeah, it's like uh, the big short old one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, check that out. All right, and uh, check out Master of None, but I don't know why we're doing that. Master of None's a real good show, and from everybody here at the Zero Credits Home on the Range, I'm wishing you a happy travels. Good day to you, folks. Bon travail. Good news. Good news.